Hello, this is Real Estate Insights, the podcast from Savills that looks at all the emerging trends in the property world. And today we're asking what's behind the rise in landlord-fitted office space? The fitted space is letting quicker and it's letting without rent freeze. So it's getting the money started quickly for us. You know, yes, there's more capital up front, which is a challenge. But I think the other thing is it's helping us do more deals. If you look at a city such as Manchester, where the amount of take-up of this type of space at sub 10,000 square feet, that percentage of the market has, has quadrupled. So four times as many occupiers are demanding this type of space than they were even last year. When you look at it at a building level, it's going to be about having different types of offer. And then, as we say, some of those customers can then graduate through that building to the fitted space, to maybe the managed space, and then beyond as well. I'm Guy Ruddle, and uh, as you may be able to hear, I've only got about half a voice this morning, but that doesn't really matter uh, because I'm not going to be doing most of the talking. I have with me in the studio three people who know more about the landlord-fitted and flexible office space industry than is healthy for anyone. Let's start with Tom Gaynor. Tom Gaynor is head of investment at the property group CEG. He's been involved in some of the largest office acquisitions and developments across the UK. Tom, welcome to Real Estate Insights. Morning. Uh, Cal Lee is the founder and global head of work there, Savile's flexible office specialist, which now has, Cal, I think you've got people in, uh, experts in 11 countries now. How did that happen? I'm not too sure myself, to be honest, Guy. Well, well, welcome back to the to the studio. Cal's been here many times before, and it's great to see you again, Cal. And James Evans is head of National Office Agency. He also heads up Savile's Manchester office. James, welcome to the podcast. Morning, Guy. Lovely to be here. Right. I mean, we're going to talk about landlord-fitted office space, but but before we do, can we just get a sort of sense of where the, you think the office market is generally at the moment? Thanks, Guy. Yeah, I guess the last two years have been a tumultuous time for offices. It went from being a, uh, a subject matter that only people within real estate talked about to sort of almost a dinner party discussion, albeit a pretty dreadful dinner party, I would hasten to add. Um, <laughs> There was lots of noise around the office being dead. People were going to work from home forever and offices and indeed town centres and city centres were going to suffer as a consequence of that. But the reality has been very different. Uh, What we've seen is continued demand, businesses that occupy offices recognising the need for a space for their colleagues to congregate, to collaborate uh, and, if you like, to create that glue of of a cultural brand, if you like. So the statistics would sort of underpin that statement that take-up is only down by about uh, 11% across the big six regional markets and even less so in, in the city of London. So, you know, the offices are still alive and kicking. I, I would add that there has been some quite fundamental changes and shifts and themes that have occurred over the last two years. I mean, notably, the one that a lot of people talk about is this flight to quality. So businesses, although arguably reducing their footprint somewhat, are going up the quality chain. I think the the interesting thing about that is what does quality actually mean? Yeah, I mean, I'd probably say three things. I think location is, is key. It always has been location, location, location. The second constituent element I would talk about is actually the amenity offer within a building. And the third part, which people don't talk about very often, I would say, is the actual relationship between the provider of space, or in old speak, the landlord, and the occupier. And historically, that used to be a sort of a, you know, almost a quite 
a relationship that had some friction. Whereas now I think the more forward-looking landlords, some of whom have been doing this for some time, see it as a real relationship and a, um, you know, a service provider and customer relationship. Talking of landlords, Tom, uh, you know, as a sort of big investor in this market, do you, is, uh, would you sort of say, yes, that's what quality is or other, uh, other elements that you think uh, are important? Yeah, I think James has covered the main points. I, I think the underlying um, theme that has changed is that before the pandemic, when everyone was working in the office five days a week, people have now got used to working from home. Companies want to get them back in. They've got to create a reason for you to leave your kitchen table, your home office and come into the office. Um, and a lot of that is around, you know, how do you collaborate and interact with your um, colleagues? How And how can a building help you do that and as a landlord that's what we're putting a lot of thought and effort into and as i say we'll we'll talk specifically about landlord fitted office spaces in a moment but cal from the flexible office side when you think of quality what do what do you think of i think very simply it's that moment you as a user of the building the moment you walk in to the moment you leave you feel looked after so you're in a space where you and your team and your business can do your best work um, and deliver the best results for you and your business. That, for me, is very simple. And that, as, as James and, and Tom have said, is all around the location, the quality, the, the service. I think in our world, is probably the key added element. And Tom alluded to that. But all those services you, that you provide to go and enhance that, that person's working day and working week. I think one of the other major attributes that is increasingly coming into focus is everything around sustainability. I mean, it seems um, appropriate given we've just had COP27 to mention it, that increasingly the occupants of these buildings are asking difficult questions of their property provider around how that building will help them meet the sustainability measures that they wish to meet corporately. Uh, and equally, from a very practical perspective, you know, how is energy procured, um, and ensuring that that is done in such a way that, as I say, it, it responds to their ESG agenda. So that's the sort of where we are. It, within that, James, there is this rise. What well, is it a rise and how much of a rise is it in this concept of, of the landlord-fitted office space? What do we mean by that, I guess, is the first question. Yeah, so in a world where uh, procurement of fit-out procurement of anything involving contractors is difficult. Many landlords have responded to that by fitting the space out with you know, desking, uh, meeting rooms, breakout space, um, kitchens, particularly when we look about what's happening in the economy. So businesses don't want to take cash off the balance sheet and invest in furniture, for example. Will they pay a premium for that on rent and amortise it over, say, five, ten years? Yes, of course they will. So in terms of what that means, it means those that, that large proportion of the market, which is, say, sub 10,000 square feet, which is, the, 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 if you like, the lion's share of it in the regional markets, increasing amounts of that is being offered in a fitted um, state. And, Tom, are you doing that as, as a business? Are, are you very aware of that? And how are you responding to that? Yes, absolutely. So we we actually started fitting space in 2017. Um, so so way going back before the pandemic. And and I think where that's changed is that started off very much as where well, we had some small suites, probably sub 1500 square feet. And we just saw the demand being taken more and more away by the serviced offices, the co-working spaces. And, you know, we, we looked at certain buildings and thought, well, how can we now fill this space? How can we react to, to where... 
the the supply is going and giving tenants um, different options. Um, and we started fitting those. You know, we've now grown that over the last five years. So we've now got nearly 200 fitted suites across the regions. Um, and we've, we've branded that separately within our Let Ready um, business. Um, and I think, you know, that's what's changed. As James sort of alluded there, 10,000 square feet. I think when we started... It was small suites. I think even 2020, 2021, that was still, we were really focusing on certainly sub 5,000 square feet. What we're now seeing is, you know, 10,000 square feet, 15,000 square feet um, of, of things. And so every time, I think the question in our mind has changed, you know, it is now when we get a vacant space, no matter how big it is, the first question which is proactively asked is, should we fit this? You know, do we need to fit this in order to let it? Um, what do occupiers want in that? And, it, and it, it gives you several benefits because you're not only going after your usual occupiers that want to take a five-year lease or a 10-year lease. It's also allowing you to start picking up some of these occupiers that want the shorter, more flexible spaces that were going into serviced offices. So it's giving you another string to your bow in terms of how do you lease those spaces. I don't know what metric you would be happy uh revealing or using for this but is all the extra effort worth it yeah if it wasn't we wouldn't be doing it um well you might it might be a necessity to do it and you might not be getting the 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 the, you know the return gain that that you would like out of it but well i think i think from our perspective we're we're really a cash flow investor so it helps us quite a lot because you know the bit that causes us a lot of problems is you have large void large void periods and large rent free periods um, and the fitted space is letting quicker and it's letting without rent freeze. So it's getting the money started quickly for us. You know, yes, there's more capital up front, which is a challenge. Um, but I think the other thing is it's helping us do more deals um, and it's helping you widen your market. Um, so they're, you know, the benefits far outweigh the challenges, I think. There was a report recently, just to back that up, which said I think that the increase on your net effective rent was about 30% going from a cat A to a cat A plus fitted and your but the bigger thing was actually your your marketing void your void period there was a 60% reduction wow and this is in London specifically but a lot of that will become translatable or has already been translatable to, to the other big regional markets so Cal where you are in the f- genuine flexible office space uh, market and where we're talking about in the sort of landlord fitted space. Well, do you see it as a sort of continuum? I think it's fully embedded. It's fully uh, related. We place a lot of clients into service space, but increasingly one of the things that kept coming back to us was we want our own front door. Right. So we are getting a bit fed up of sharing a space with, say, 10, 15, 20 other businesses or people. And as much as that might have benefits at a smaller stage, actually, as you grow as a business and you become big enough, you kind of want your own physical space. Uh, and I think this is where a lot of the, the landlords like CG have tapped into this market where they can offer that and they can provide that customer with their own front door, somewhere that is their space, but to all the added advantages we've spoken about. And do you think, Tom, that you know the, the learnings of how to deliver, both in terms of the product and then I guess amenities and everything that goes that carries on beyond just delivering the initial product, do you think that the you know the, the sort of slightly longer term fitted office space is learning from Cal's side, the more flexible office space on, on, on how you do that delivery piece. Absolutely. I think, I think actually the biggest challenge um, that, you know, we had as a traditional landlord um, and it's still probably our biggest challenge now is the service side. You know, it's, it's actually 
quite natural for us to fit a space out. You know, you can go to the architects, you've got that, we've got the project managers and, and they're our buildings, we know the buildings. Um, but how you then look after those clients and that are in those buildings and how those additional services that they want. So whether it be the amenity provision in terms of a cafe and a gym, how do you run that? How do you actually make that cafe work? How, and it sounds that it should be simple, but it's actually quite challenging to, to get the balance right in terms of not having a load of food that goes to waste and serving the right sorts of things. And then what we're seeing more and more of, which is this sort of continual move to more services in terms of you know, occupiers coming in and wanting us to do more sort of FM type work within the space. Um, and their health and safety work and cleaning and things like that. And and that becomes a real challenge as well to us. And, and that's where we're sort of having to constantly evolve the structure of our team now. And, you know, recently as, a, as another addition, we've, we've, in, we've employed a head of customer experience, really, who is somebody coming from a um, customer service background, really to come into our site staff, our FM team, you know, even our asset managers to start looking at how do we provide that level of service that, that these serviced offices and co-working centres are providing. Let's sort of look at, uh, for the last few couple of minutes of this, ahead. Uh, uh, James, yeah, it, uh, it sort of occurs to me that that you've got a combination of it being harder to do it yourself because of all the demands of ESG and, and, and everything if you're an occupier driving this, but also that the more people like Tom deliver it, and the more people have experiences of flexible offices like Cal's part of the world, the more their expectations are that they will get this product or get this service. So do you see this being a sort of growing and being increasingly demanded by occupiers? I think so. If you look at uh, a city such as Manchester, where the amount of take up of this type of space at sub 10,000 square feet which as I said before is the lion's share of the market that percentage of the market has, has quadrupled so four times as many occupiers are demanding this type of space than they were even last year so I, I firmly believe that trend is going to um, move to all the other regional markets where arguably it's not quite as prevalent save for say Birmingham so I think it is here to stay. I think what we will increasingly see is landlords of very large buildings will look at their product offer within each building. So let's take a hypothetical 200,000 square foot building. You know, I think many of those will have a degree of serviced, Gal's world, a degree of fitted, let ready space. And then, of course, there will always be a market for the white box, for the much larger corporates who are far more sophisticated in undertaking fit-outs and will have very clear brand guidelines around fit-outs. So I mean, to answer your question, yeah, I think it's definitely here to stay. Cal, what do you think? Yeah, I think fundamentally it's, it's demand-driven, isn't it? So it's the occupiers who are telling us what they want and it's for us as people delivering that space to go and meet their demand. And if you're not meeting that demand, obviously you're likely to then fall foul of it. Um, so I think it's important. I completely agree with James. When you look at it at a building level, it's going to be about having different types of offer. There is definitely a role for that and there is definitely demand there. And then as we say, those some of those customers can then graduate through that building to the fitted space, to maybe the managed space and then, and then, and then beyond as well. There, there is a valuation nuance mm. here in that... You know, Tom may be able to comment on this, but valuers are still wrestling with how they value this income, particularly around the the element that would be 
the premium aspect associated with the fit out and how do I value that um, and I think there's still quite a lot of head scratching and uh, you know a bit more uh, water to go on that one. I think one of the trends that we're seeing across our Let Ready portfolio actually, which probably makes it easier for the value for the valuers, is um, when we first started doing it 2017, it was all it was fitted and it was flex. What we're seeing more and more of, and I know in Manchester, James, this is a big thing, is it's fitted, but you're getting five year leases yeah. for it, yeah. which I think that makes it a lot easier for the valuers because they you know they can believe in that there's evidence around the rent. And you're getting a, a long-term lease on that. I think there's some challenges that they've got to get their head around in terms of well, what's the cost to recycle that space in five years' time? And that's where I, you know, constantly argue that it's not very much, and they want to rip it out and, and start again. And I think on the flex space, you know, we put a lot of effort into monitoring what our retention rates are. So you know, what percentage of breaks are actually exercised? Just because somebody's got a, a regular break doesn't mean they're going to they're going to exercise that. Um, and I think that you know, the more landlords that do this, the more the market does this, the easier it becomes for valuers and the easier it becomes for investors. Um, because you know, people will get comfortable that you know, if you're moving ten thousand square feet, that's a what's that? That's a hundred people. They're not. You're not going to move those every six months. Yeah. I think. I think there's a combined, whether duty is the right word, but a combined need from both landlord operators, as I would define them, and uh, more operational operators, to be more transparent around that performance. And I think too often it has been slightly closed book and slightly protective. But actually, if we are more transparent, it's all about building confidence with valuers, with banks, with investors. If they see the underlying performance figures and they see the um, robustness of that income which is fundamentally what risk they put on it that confidence will help grow and that's all around that transactional data it's all around the transparency of those the performance uh, of those assets and that's going to be a period of time until that happens but we've seen that happen across other sectors as well and that will build confidence and that will have a, a huge impact going forward in terms of how we go and deliver these spaces i think an interesting further trend has been the fact that many of the larger takers of space so let's call them corporates uh, are now insisting that the building they go to has some of this product offer within it so that if they grow if they flex if they have a short-term project they have that ability to put a 30-person team into some space downstairs or next door or whatever it may be and i'd go as far as to say the developer mindset has changed with regards to both flex and fitted space you know even 18 months ago you know, if you had a brand new building the flex deal would be the last deal you'd do it'd be like well i'll, I'll fill that final 10,000 15 20,000 square feet with a flex operator many of them are now saying and recognizing it's so important actually that's the first deal we want to do because to get the other bigger deals we need to get the flex operator in so before we finish, uh, let's do our regular feature <laughs> before my voice completely goes Do our regular feature. Tell me something I don't know. A little nugget of information that shines an extra light on the, on the situation or the market or whatever. Tom, you're the, you're the non-Savils person here, so you'll, you get to go first if you like. So tell me something I don't know. As a business, we're doing more office transactions post-pandemic than we were before it. Really? Really, which is, I think, is counterintuitive to most people. Yeah, absolutely. Cal, something I don't know. So we've seen uh, the rise of management agreements go from 9% pre-COVID of all deals to over 40%. And a part of that is operators shifting to away from leases. But it's also, I think, landlords looking at more control about what is delivered 
within their space to what we've spoken to, where they have actual input and they can learn from what those operators are doing to take that forward themselves. Yeah. And finally, James, tell me something I don't know. So where occupiers or colleagues, so the occupants of office buildings, have a degree of influence over where they work and the environment within which they work, it's been proven their productivity increases by 32%. Well, there you go. That was a really good tell me something I don't know, actually. There are all three of those were really fascinating. I really like that. Thank you all very much for being here and for being part of this. Thanks for your time and thank you for your wisdom. Uh, that's it for this episode of Real Estate Insights. If you want more information about the whole of the office market or this aspect of the office market, uh, there's plenty on the research section of the Savills website. Savills.co.uk forward slash research is where you'll find that and many other things as well. As I say, that's it for this episode. Thank you very much for listening and see you next time. This podcast is for general information only and should not be considered professional advice. Savills accepts no liability or responsibility for any direct, indirect or consequential loss arising from the use of, reference to or reliance on this podcast or its content. Savills makes no warranty as to the accuracy of the information in this podcast. This podcast and all copyright in this podcast is the property of Savills and it shall not be used, reproduced or quoted in whole or in part without Savills' prior written consent.